When you've had a long week and want to mix it up with something new and interesting to eat, try Blue Apron's two or four serving menu plans with those hard to find ingredients sure to spice up your weekend. With 60 plus options each week, you can choose from an ever-changing mix of high quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW recommended and wellness offerings. Order now and get $110 off across your first five orders when you visit blueapron.com unique. I'm joined by Jamie. Jamie, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. All right. So the question everybody wants to know, uh, right? What are we at? Three weeks in a row? We've had three. three and it has only been three. It felt it's. Or has it been four? You know, when you're in a when you're when you have a run like we've had, it feels so euphoric that I forget that more time hasn't passed. But I guess maybe it is just three. You you lose track. So. Let's say we had um, Zombievers, but we're, we had the Prince before Zombievers. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, no, because you know what killed our streak? What what started us off on a bad way was Abe Lincoln versus the Zombies. Right. <laughs> so so we, we, we kind of bounced back with the Prince, and then Zombievers, of course, which may have been a ringer, you know. And then uh, last week's The High Lane certainly wasn't a ringer. We, we Neither of us knew what we were going to expect there. But we, we, we so we're, we're three in a row. So the question, Jamie... Did we make it to four? An unprecedented, actually, I'd say three is unprecedented, or two is unprecedented on this show. So, did we make it to four in a row, Jamie? What do you think? I think we did. Yeah. This, to me, this one was sort of a pleasant surprise. Now, I, I, there are a couple of issues that I have that I'll, you know, that when we start talking about it, I'll get into. But overall, I would count this in the, on the positive side. Yeah, I, I agree. I, um, you know, it was. It was, like you said, a pleasant surprise. Um, you know, I, I think there's I, – I was thinking about this when I was watching Scott Walker in this role because he was – he did so Paul. well. Yeah, Paul. I keep calling him Scott Walker. Scott Walker is running for government or something, right? Is he trying to be a president? What is he – did I just say a president too? Am I like a 16-year-old kid talking about, about, <laughs> well, about politics? Well, I guess he would be a president yes. in a line of many, you know. <laughs> Is he like trying to be like a president or something? Like I don't know what he's doing. This this Scott Walker guy. He's like I don't know. Did he get killed in a car accident? He still wants to be president. I don't really get that. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep calling him Scott. It's Paul Walker. Uh, so so it was a it was a pleasant surprise. I think you know. But I I, I was thinking in my head like I was like man he's doing really good here. And there was a part of me that felt like you know if this movie had been made in Japan. Um, 
or had been made in Spain with like Javier Bardem or Gael Garcia Bernal or something like that, uh, it probably would have been nominated for uh, a Best Foreign Language Film Oscar um, just because of the, you know, the, the, the basic nature. I think this kind of a film, um, because it's direct-to-video and it's Paul Walker, I think um, it gets discredited more than it should. And I think it's the kind of film that if it was a foreign film, um, or maybe had like an indie director attached to it or some indie name actors, it probably would have gotten more credit than it should have. I don't know if that sounds about right for this film. No, I think you're right, but especially considering the subject matter, whenever you, it's like those, <laughs> it's like if you want your film to get an Oscar nod, there are, you know, that there are subjects that you automatically go to and they're, the critics are going to look at those films and, you know, like almost instantly just based on what they're about you're going to get some kind of arty credit for doing that you know so if it involves anything with like a disabled person doing something well like my left foot or anything political or anything um like a like a human interest story or something then um, this was sort of like a, a transition oh. he spent the majority of the film with himself right and it was very fascinating right he spends the majority of the film with himself and his his two main uh co-stars uh which this is like isn't this like the classic rule uh for acting right you don't act with babies or children you don't act with dogs and he broke both rules in this film he did (laughs) (laughs) that dog's amazing i love that dog Mm mm-hmm yeah, the dog was great. I, I mean, I just, I, you know, it, it did start off like you said. It started off kind of weird, like uh, the interplay between him and the doctor when he finds out that his wife is dead was a little bit strange. Um, I thought the story about how they met was a little bit outlandish. Um, it was a little bit too uh, movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a little bit too much about that they they met. They both met like trying to stop a bank robbery. <laughs> right, <laughs> as citizens. And- yeah, he stopped the guy with the gun, and she maced the guy, got out of the car. Which I, that part actually made me laugh out loud when they're telling this, when there's the flashback of them telling the story at the dinner table, and mm-hmm. she's like, "I maced the guy," and he's like, "There was no mace involved." Right, and he's like, right. There was no mace in it. It was hairspray. I don't know. If there was something about that. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was a very cinematic backstory, you know, because. Do you know anyone that you've ever met because you were both trying to stop a bank robbery simultaneously? It just is, it's a little too perfect. But, you know, they were a cute couple, so at the same time, I, I kind of, I like that. I also was afraid in the beginning that it was going to, that they were, that it was purposely that way so that they could set him up as a hero, you know, like someone that we could expect to be just like a really badass, just out of the gate because, hey, this is, he's done this in the past, so, but he, he really wasn't. He was just a regular guy. And so I was kind of afraid that they were going to go down that hole and just go, look what he did in the past and now you're going to, you can expect him to whip, to whip some ass, you know, and he did okay, but it's not, I don't think he did anything superheroist, you know, he just was a regular guy who was trying to keep the baby up. And so I appreciated that. Yeah, I I agree. I think um I th- I think what was I going to say? I th- you know, I think um Yeah, it was it was like 
once his character got moving, once things got moving in that, in the piece, I, I felt like there it was a little bit better. Um, you know, like, then you got to really see Scott Walker. I mean, there were some scenes that he acted Paul. in. Oh, Paul, like, okay, I did it again, didn't I? <laughs> That'll be tonight's drinking game, right, is to see if uh, – <laughs> that would be the drinking game tonight. <laughs> um, you know, uh, how many times is Matt going to say Scott Walker instead of Paul Walker? I don't, I, I've only heard that name Scott Walker a couple times, and I, I don't really know why suddenly he's he's become that. But, um, but th- there's that scene where he – goes down to that makeshift morgue that they have in the uh in, in, oh wow yeah and, and he's zipping up his wife into the body bag um it was just intense that kind of finality um and and i thought scenes like that he did really well with and um you know there were some other things you know i think it it it, they, it kind of um i thought the one scene that played out maybe the best and then it kind of got weird was the one where the guy came in with the gun to like take his food from him mm-hmm. and I feel like that scene could have been it could have been a good end scene if the dog growls at him and he tells the dog to heal and the guy just walks out and leaves um, I don't really know what happened with the whole you know attacking the guy and then suddenly I guess the dog somehow escaped and left and the dog's the one that alerted them to him being yeah, there it was very see, I was afraid I was afraid the dog was going to get killed the whole time and that's what that's what was bothering me that's what was stuck in my head and because when we first, before the guy gets there, the bad guy, we hear a gunshot down the hall, like just a pop of a gunshot. And then, and the dog had just been running around playing, and I'm like, oh, God, and he shot the dog. You know, and it really upset me because there's, you can, you can take something out of the wall in a movie and it won't bother me. But if you, you know, you play an animal, especially when you're like that. No, oh, oh, Jamie, I think we lost your mic there for a second. Oh, no. Oh, it went, it went low. I Uh-oh. think it, it's coming in and out a little bit, I think. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. I think it's like as you start talking, for some reason it starts to go. Oh, my mic's telling me to shut up. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> it starts to go. I don't know. Now, I, don't, I, I was trying to see if on my end if I could do something with it, but I'm not sure if uh, – I think I, I tried messing with the, the levels on my end, but I'm not sure if it, if it did it. We can always monitor it and see what happens. I know Brian's uh, it, doing our tech support for us, and he, he noticed it as well. He said he was starting to hear a little. Uh, uh, it was like it's like you you'll you'll you speak well, and then you fade. I wonder because it seems like if I make a sound, something a- affects it. Maybe if I can play with your input. Oh, good. We'll make it your fault. Yes, I'll try to see if like I got, if I can go uh huh <laughs> like that while you're speaking. If that like brings it back in or something. I I don't know enough about how these things work to know <laughs> like what causes the problems or not. Um, but uh, yeah, I what was I uh, about the um. You know the the whole thing with the dog. I thought it was nice when he finds the dog and he kind of is like communi- you know, connecting with the dog. But um, I guess maybe we should we should bring up what the movie is about. I just realized that we kind of just like went hip deep in this thing, and uh. And, oh yeah. And okay. we did it. <laughs> so so uh, long and short. Uh, Paul Walker um brings his wife into the hospital right as Hurricane Qu- Katrina is bearing down on New Orleans. And uh, his wife dies, but the baby is born, um, and the baby is about five weeks premature. So uh, the baby is in what we'd say a respirator or incubator type uh, machine, and uh, Paul Walker has to sit with it. Ventilator. 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 So 48 hours she needs to spend on the ventilator, um, and that's when all hell breaks loose. And uh, everything that we saw on the news, the whole Brownie, you're doing a great job, that's the backdrop to – 
Paul Walker for 48 hours having to try to, you know, it's it goes from the, the generator doesn't work, so he has to use the hand crank generator, and um, which I, I thought was a very interesting plot device because it, it, it bordered on plot convenience theater, didn't it? Um, the, you know, the minute and a half or minute 50 that he would have. It did, but I think it added an element of urgency to it because mm-hmm. there were times where this film, particularly in the beginning, was going very slowly. Mm-hmm. And, and you can expect that when you're basing an entire film around one character and they really have no one else to interact with. Right, right. You know, it's if you don't have something to keep it moving, then it'll get stagnant. And that's kind of what I was afraid of in the beginning because, to be honest, when we first started out, Um, I did not get that doctor's delivery of that information at all. It didn't make any sense to me the way he delivered it and the way he was just Paul reaction, Paul reaction, Paul Walker's reaction to that was not very convincing. Oh, Jamie, I think we lost you again. That voice, I so son of a. I know. I don't know if it's maybe it's that that different mic. I don't know if you want to try to use the one. That you you were talking about maybe the uh, the head see. earbuds and the the computer mic I don't yeah we can give um. that a try and if you want I can I can fill up the the dead air uh, Jen just mentioned she thought I sounded low as well uh, Brian I don't know if you what you were thinking if you're having trouble hearing me too okay can you hear me now I can hear you you're faint let me see if I can turn you up on my end here. All right. Yeah, Jen just said she had the volume. Okay. All right. So, so let's see what I can do here for Jamie. Action is just riddled with problems. Okay, Brian, what do you got now for Jamie? Try speaking for us, Jamie. Let's see if. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you? <laughs> oh, he said nothing. Okay, I can hear you. But it, it is faint. It is a little faint. I, I turned you up all the way on my my controls. That, can you hear me now? Ah, much better, much better. So let me turn you just a little bit down here. Because I crammed you all the way up there. With the okay, um... There we go. That's much better. Okay, I think we're 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 in business now. Yes. Okay. We got a yes. Well, Brian, do I sound okay to you out there? Yes. All right. All right perfect. Um. Now this this is going to pick up every little thing probably because I'm not using a mic now. This is just the built-in mic for my laptop. So, bear with me. Um. But what I was saying was, son of a. I, nope. <laughs> we got you. We can hear you. No, no, oh. I'm just, now I just realized my battery's dying. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It was fully charged. Um, I need to, to, I need to send out an SOS for my charger, please. Um, <laughs> I'll be able to type in the And in chat. the meantime, um, what was I saying? Oh, okay, it started a little bit slowly for me. I wasn't that sold on his reaction okay. when he first found out about his wife. Right. It just seemed a little forced. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... As stuff started happening, though, I – and he also didn't seem very connected to the baby at first, and I think that was intentional, right. you know, because the first thing he says to the baby is, I don't know you, 
you yes. know um, I mean he's just found out that his wife died mm-hmm. he has this brand new baby that he's going to be raising alone and that's not ever anything that's going to be easy right so he doesn't really have a connection with the baby at first but then as he starts spending time with the baby and showing the baby pictures of its mom and telling the baby you know how they met and you know those are very sweet moments and then um you know stuff starts to happen one of my favorite things about this film is how they would intersperse actual news segments mm-hmm. well, throughout the film to give you an idea of what was going on because for instance there's a scene where he goes to the rooftop to try to signal a helicopter that he hears and he wants to signal this helicopter so that they can get him out because pretty much this this hospital has been evacuated but he has to stay behind because the ventilator is not portable and uh, he really can't even leave it for long periods of time because the battery is old and it won't take a charge very long with the hand crank generator so he's only getting about two minutes at a time it starts out like three minutes and then it goes down to two minutes and then so as the film goes on there it gets a little more urgent you know and he has a couple of minutes where he can roam anywhere away from it before he has to come back and crank it again Mm -hmm. to keep his baby breathing so that sort of gives you the you know him having to stop what he's doing and run back and do that and stop what he's doing and run back and do that so he only has a little bit of time to do these things so he takes you know one of those pockets of time goes up to the roof in an attempt to signal a helicopter and he does i mean he's he does have the attention of the helicopter but then we see some people shooting at the helicopter from a building across the way and then of course there's the news report that was sort of spurred in like that was sort of um woven in there about how snipers were shooting at helicopter at rescue helicopters and i didn't know that that is something that i had not heard about when it actually happened I think, golly, I mean, people, damn it. <laughs> I was so angry. I was so angry. And they're just like, no, you come over here. For, like, you could hear the people yelling. They're shooting at the helicopter and then telling the helicopter to come over there first. Like, well, first of all, do you think if I was driving that helicopter, or driving, do you think if I were flying that helicopter that I would come over there at all after you just unloaded on me? I don't yeah. think so, no. you know. Um, but people, you know, just lost their minds. Um but that was a really cool thing, not cool as in good, but it was a really cool bit of information that I wasn't even aware of, and it adds a little bit of horror to the story. And then, of course, we have two different instances with um, with looters, mm-hmm. one with a, a single man, and that's when you know the dog sort of saves the day, um, and then another time where there are two guys coming in and they're looking for drugs, and and. So there are those little pockets of excitement, and then between those we have, you know, Paul Walker talking to himself, talking to the baby, doing things to try to keep the baby alive, while also trying to keep himself awake. I mean, if he falls asleep, he can't crank the generator, and if he doesn't crank the generator, the ventilator will stop. So he can't sleep, he can't rest, he has to, to be ever vigilant. And it's, what, 72 hours or so? Thir- uh, how long is it? It's 48, 48 hours? 48. Okay, yeah, 48 hours that he is stuck in this situation with very little food and no rest at all. It's um, it's kind of harrowing, you know? And, and I have to say that by the time we got to the end of this film, I was emotional. Um, I, I just... When the, do- when the dog 
comes back. That got me. And, you know, it was just a, I mean, you sort of had the feeling that he was going to make it, you know, that the baby's going, otherwise that would just be a really shitty movie. <laughs> you know, to go, to spend two days with him in this hospital, running back and forth, cranking the generator, keeping the baby alive only for it to not make it. That would just be shitty. So you kind of know it's going to, something's going to happen. It's going to end okay. But you never really know exactly because something easily could have happened to him and then the baby could have been saved. I mean, there's no guarantee that he would make it to the end. I mean, you kind of hope so because you've grown to care about this character. But, you you know, no one ever makes you any promises. So, but, so by the time we got to the end, I was pretty emotional. And, of course, from Brian, he's like, well, that's no surprise. And, and it's not. <laughs> I mean, I do get emotional when I'm watching movies and and I will admit that, or hell, when I'm watching America's Got Talent, I get emotional. But, <laughs> but still, I mean, if you, if you, if we went through all of that and they were unable to elicit anything from me, then that would be a bad sign, you know. So, by the time we did get to the end, I was, I was invested. I was, in, I was invested in this baby. I was invested in him. I was invested in the dog, and um, it just. I thought it was a nice little journey. I I completely agree. I I confess I was a little emotional myself. Um, you know there there are a lot of very powerful scenes in the movie, and it like we talked about that one where he has to you know he's he finds his wife laying on the ground with a sheet over her because again they have you know the hallway essentially the hallway to the morgue is a makeshift morgue, and so he convinces this orderly to help him get his wife off the ground, and. It shows him zipping her into a body bag, which is just a very powerful scene. Um, and it's one that I think it doesn't take a lot for us to, um, you know, to, to identify with a scene like that and go, wow, that's just that, that level of finality. And that's probably where it clicks, right, for him that he, he now has the baby to focus on, right? That it's, it, it's final about his wife. I think it, it never quite, it didn't sink in right away about his wife. Whereas, you know, then when he has to actually do that, um, but also I think, um, you know, throughout the film, like you said, you know, he's like, he's like putting his, her rings on top of the baby's, uh, the, the, uh, ventilator, um, you know, he's talking about his father as well, who I guess had passed away, um, and, and so like you said, it was very intense, and, and again, just the fact that, you know, I think that, that having to crank the generator, it did two things, right, it, 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 you know, kind of created a sense of urgency, like which, as you said, was was lacking a little bit in the film early on. So it created that certain sense of urgency, but also it, I think it also uh, got us invested. I think every crank of that of that generator got us invested all that much more because we saw the energy he's putting into trying to keep this battery alive. And so I think you're right. If if we get to the end of all those cranks and there's no baby, um, we're not going to be very happy with the way this film ended. And I think the fact that we were, I guess, rewarded by having uh, Paul Walker, I almost called him Scott there, uh, we, we were rewarded by, by Paul surviving as well, um, I think is a good thing. But like you said, we didn't necessarily know that was going to happen. Right. I mean, it's it's, you know, you can... There are some things you can count on. Like, I really didn't see this film killing a baby right. um, going in. So that didn't really surprise me. I don't think I'm spoiling anything by that either because no one really would expect that. Yeah. But you never know how anything else is going to end up. And did you find yourself, while he was uh, going back and forth, like, because he was running down to the generator room trying to see if the main generator could be saved or because the, the hospital got flooded. Um, you know, he was going around trying to find food. He was trying to find adrenaline. There were, you know, 
he's out and about. But like we said, he only has a couple of minutes each time to do anything. Did you find yourself like listening for the beep? Yes. Uh, you know, you're listening for the beep of the machine, or you're watching for his watch because he would set the timer on his watch, and he would go. And there's a scene where he's down in the generator room, and he gets shocked and sort of momentarily knocked unconscious. And his, you can see his, um, he falls back into the water, and you can see his watch start to beep, like yes. the the little blue light. Uh, flashing on his watch as the alarm's going off and i'm like get up get up get up yes. <laughs> you know, wake up the alarm's going off so i got to the point where i was you know if i heard the machine beep in the background but he didn't seem to hear it i'm like that was the machine go 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 you know <laughs> it just um i was you know i i was in it with him like i felt it with him and i think he did a really good job of conveying you know his exhaustion um there was a time when it'd been several hours and he was pranking and i'm like God, you know his arm has to be about to fall off mm-hmm. right about now and then a little bit after that he's trying to fashion new ways to crank the machine like he he tied his foot to the crank and started pedaling it and then he got the uv pole uh, uv the iv pole <laughs> and started using that and so i, I was feeling him there like i I was like, oh, you must be exhausted. I know you must be exhausted. And uh, I, so I think he did a really good job of getting that across. Um, and really the only times I think that Paul's acting was a little bit hollow was like in the beginning when I said he was first delivered the news. And he just – he was doing the whole, no, she's fine. She's fine. Abigail's fine. Let's go see her. She's fine. And I wasn't quite buying uh, – I don't know, that whole scene, I just didn't quite feel it. But then later on, I felt like he got into it a little bit more. It reminded me, when I was young, like, say, 20, I made a movie with some friends of mine. And we were just sort of messing around and and made this movie called Suburban Nightmare, and I still have it somewhere. And uh, there was a killer that got into the house. And we sort of did this. I had the bare bones of a script. Basically, it was an outline, and then everyone was pretty much ad-libbing mm-hmm. what they were saying. And there was a scene where one of my <laughs> actors um, <laughs> was talking about uh, – oh, his his wife went off because they'd come over for a dinner party. And his wife went to go to the bathroom, and she never, she never came back. And he went to go look for her, and he found her dead on the bathroom floor. Now – I gave him the – that was his motivation. I was like, you just went to look for your wife. You found her dead on the bathroom floor. Now come back and react. <laughs> well, his reaction was ridiculous. I mean, it was just um, – he comes back, and he's like, she's, 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 she's on the floor. We have to, we have to call, the, call the ambulance. And we're like, you know, is she okay? He's like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's okay. I think she just hit her head on the potty. And we're like, what? And she's clearly dead, like she'd been stabbed, you know. And he's like, no, she just, she, uh, she's been developing diabetes, so I think she must have passed out and hit her head on the potty. And we're like, what? <laughs> now, oddly enough, I kept that in the movie. I don't know why, but I kept because I think because it was just so hilarious that I just let it go. But that's kind of what it reminded me of when I was watching this. And he's like, no, no, she's fine, she's fine, Abigail's fine. And I was like, oh, Paul. You know, <laughs> Paul, yeah. Paul, Paul. I'm a huge Paul Walker fan. But uh, I'll admit that there have been times when his dramatic acting is not completely there. And I was that made me afraid. But me then too. as we got further into the film, 
and he got a little bit more comfortable with the situation and other things started to happen. And I started to feel this emotional connection with him and the baby. Then that eased a little bit. He seemed to embrace the role a little bit better. And, you know, that went away. Like, my trepidation went away. But in the very beginning, I was kind of unsure. I was like, is he going to be able to carry this? Because clearly this is going to be an emotionally demanding film for him. Is he going to be able to do it? And I really think he did. Yeah. You know, that you bring up a good point, too, actually, that I didn't really even consider until we were talking about it now. But, you know, Paul Walker, I, I never really considered it with him. Because um, you know, when I think of physical actors, I think more of like physical comedians, like a John Ritter or somebody like that, who uh, you know could really you know sell the role physically. And um, I, I never really thought about it. But Paul Walker's kind of the same, only in a more dramatic sense or an action sense. That he also um, acts physically. He's he's a better physical actor than he is a dramatic actor. Um, mm-hmm. And so when the film a- after that scene happens with the doctor and it's done. You know, the, the film starts to require more physicality from him. You know, the crank, the, the running up and down the hall, the, you know, the, the figuring out what's wrong, the trying to get the IV hooked up before it goes, you know, running up the stairs. Um, you know, all of that stuff, I think, once he was able to immerse himself in that thing, I think the rest of the film fell into place for him acting-wise. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, because you're right. I mean, that's the sort of thing that he's used to. We're used to seeing him in stuff like, you know, Fast and Furious and, um, well, I don't know. Pretty much everything he's done has been uh, and sort of an action-y film in one way or another. Like even, um, even Joyride, mm-hmm. which was one of the first things that I remember seeing him in. Uh, with Steve Zahn. I mean, that was a very, it was a horror film, but it was very action-oriented. Like, he was doing a lot of driving, and they were doing a lot of running, and, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, there a lot of emotion required, or if there was, it was, you know, freak-out emotion, um, you know, action-oriented emotion, the kind of stuff that we're used to from Fast and Furious and things like that. Whereas this film required a lot of, like, heartfelt, deep, I love this baby emotion. Right. And, um, you know, he definitely did end up doing a better job than I thought he would. Because i got to tell you, when I, at first I was kind of nervous about that because, I mean, I just know that what I'm used to seeing Paul Walker in, and even though I love him in those roles, there's typically a reason that people do the kinds of roles that they do more often than not, you know, and it's because that's what they're comfortable with. But I do think that when he started to have to get physical with it, then... Uh, then it, it worked out. And then that maybe the only shaky times would be when he was talking to himself while he was doing stuff. It always bothers me in movies when people <laughs> do that a lot, you know, because um, I'm thinking, I don't do that. Like, I don't just walk around the house and go, oh, let me put the laundry in. Oh, like, I need to separate the colors from the whites, and I need to put the, oh, got to put the bleach in. And I just don't narrate everything I'm doing, you know, so it seems unnatural to me whenever someone does that in a movie. But then at the same time, there's also the, well, people do that in films a lot to keep themselves sane. You know, like you, if you're alone in a situation, you know, then you talk to yourself to kind of uh, keep from going crazy. And so that I can kind of see too. I don't know. It's just, it seems awkward sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I know I do that. I've heard, I've heard that, that men are more likely to do that than women. I'm not sure. But uh, in my case, I actually, Jen will tell you that it, it's actually less so much that I'll talk to myself, but um, I often will, uh, whatever song is in my head at the time, um, I, I, I may sing 
what I'm doing. And, I, and often it, it does involve some sort of conversation with the cats. So, so in that case, <laughs> it's, it's a little less so just me talking to myself and more uh, to, the, to the cats. Um, I, I usually have a running dialogue with the cats about what I'm doing in the morning. Um, and so sometimes Jen will be like, you know, if I have to get up really early, I have to be careful so I don't wake her up while I'm having my conversation with the cats in the morning. But, um, but yeah, so, so in that sense, I mean, I under, identified a little bit better when he was talking with his, his, his infant baby and with the dog because that makes more sense. We all talk to animals um, mm-hmm. and, and babies, too, um, as if they're, they're, they're there, um, that they, they can, you know, hear us or, you know, anybody that we can talk to. But you're right. Um, I, I think um, the, the running narration when they're doing something on their own, I mean, I think it, it makes more sense when he's doing things like he's yelling at something for not working, right? Because we all do that. Right, um, right. But the running narration, it is, I think th- those were things about this film. There were those little things that this film would do that, that kind of made me go, okay, you know, maybe... You know, you know, it was like those little things that made me go from going like, hey, you know, this is the kind of film that the Oscars overlook because they're too busy looking at the, the one that's, you know, got Bradley Cooper and whoever else and, you know, Matthew McConaughey and, right, you know, or it, it you know, just like the, you know, Scott Wa- or Paul Walker, I did it again. I guess that's a drink, right? If I, I but <laughs> it is like with with Paul Walker, where you know, there's that part of you that wants to say, "Oh man, you know, just because he didn't lose a lot of weight means he didn't win a, a an Oscar like Matthew McConaughey, right?" <laughs> right. But, but then he, George Clooney, exactly, you have to either gain weight or lose weight, right? Or... Exactly, exactly. So you know, you see, so you want to have that sort of that sense of like, you know, this these are the films the Oscars always overlook. But then you know, there's so many other parts of the film, like you know, you know. Paul Walker in the early going, or those moments that were a little bit odd, um, that I think betrayed the film a little bit. I mean, I mean, I think there were certain scenes where I think this film did go. I don't know. You know, it, it's a Lionsgate release, and there were moments that felt a little bit too Lionsgatey, uh, if that makes sense. You know, it felt like a little too much, like a, you know, a, a Fifty Cent or you know, uh, the the, char- the 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 rapper Fifty Cent or you know, kind of Bruce Willis DTV actioner type deal. Um, and, and that, those moments betrayed the film. I mean, I thought the whole thing with the, um, with the, the, the looters, um, you know, it was interesting how that played out at the end. Um, and, and so, you know, how he dealt with the two looters, uh, but, you know, he seemed to, you know, it, it, it did kind of work though. It, it worked. Um, I thought, you know, I, thought, I liked it. Yeah. I, I, I liked that a lot. Uh, it just, I, I felt that, you know, he had reached pretty much a breaking point. Mm-hmm. And you know now it was all about survival, uh, of survival of him and survival of his baby, right. and there was just no time for hesitation. And I, I like that. I think that was a very realistic, like way to portray that. Although I found myself throughout the film going, "Is he going to get in trouble for that? If he broke that window to get that helicopter, would he have to pay for that?" Yeah. Is he going to, I mean, <laughs> these are the kind of things that go through my mind when I'm watching, like, in a situation like this, they're going to forgive him for punching that hole in the wall when he had a frustration, or is he going to have to pay for that? Right. I don't think he'll have to pay, he won't have to pay for that. Is he going to get in trouble for killing that guy? <laughs> right, right, well, exactly, you know, and, 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 you know, it's interesting, I don't know if you ever saw the documentary that, uh, Spike Lee did two documentaries on Katrina, um, he did one, you know, when the levees break, or when the levees broke, that was kind of the, uh, that was the, the, the big one, that was a, you know the initial aftermath and then he did one five years later that was uh you know uh god if god's willing and the creek don't rise 
Um, but that first one, um, they were interviewing people about that, and there were interesting things that happened. I'm not interesting, but actually very bad things that happened. And uh, one of them, um, that first looter kind of reminded me of um, there were these sort of, uh, you know, uh, racist mobs or, or you know, uh, small pockets of white uh, supremacist type guys or, you know, southern racists who were going around killing African-Americans. Um, you know, if they saw any African-Americans around, they would kill them. And um, this char- that character, that first uh, looter that he encounters, that he thinks is an army officer, you know, the, the, the bald guy with the, right. uh, with the camouflage, um, it, it kind of smacked to me as one of those guys, those sort of like, you know, paramilitary types that was, you know, heavily armed going around, you know, assuming that it, there was a race war going on or something after the, the loot, you know, the, the, uh, the flooding. And it made me think because, you know, you notice that that character, um, it really was, it wasn't that so much the fact that, that Paul Walker had a baby. I mean, the, the baby was, was part of it, but he, he kind of instantly deduced that Paul Walker wasn't a threat, right? He just sort of had this natural feeling like Paul Walker wasn't a threat. And it was Paul Walker that had to figure out that this guy was a threat, that this guy was a looter. Um, and the guy, what, you know, he takes his candy bars but leaves his soda or something like that. Um, but it kind of had me I wanted think, to punch that guy in the face. Yeah, he was bad. You know, and I got the sense that he was kind of supposed to be one of those types of looters. That you know, if Paul Walker had been had it had it been the doctor, for example, who, who was an African American, you know, perhaps he would have been killed by by that guy, you know, and that would have been an interesting thing. But the problem is, it wouldn't have isolated Paul Walker if we had uh, the doctor there the whole time, you know, and then he gets killed by that guy. Um, but you know, I think that they, I think it, maybe it was better to have the undertones anyway, um, you know. And then we get the kids that are in there later who are, are there looking for drugs that they can sell or, or get high off of or whatever. Um, and, and so there was a little bit more of a uh, uh, sinister bent to them because, you know, they're kids and you just don't know what they're going to do. Right. I, I, one thing that I think is interesting is you have the two when it comes to the kids. You have the one who was, like, raiding the drug closet. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other one who heard the baby. Right. And his reaction at first was one of, like, you know, hey, it's a baby. Like, it didn't. It didn't seem sinister, right? At all. It almost it was. It was incredulous, you know, like wow, there's a baby here, mm-hmm. and he kind of had like a little bit of a gentleness about him when he was trying to get. The, I mean, I felt it anyway. That, and I don't know if it was supposed to be there or if that was, you know, the actors just, you know, the guy. But um, I, I felt like I don't think he would have done anything bad to the baby, you know. But when he then turned around and saw the aftermath of of Paul's character running into his friend and then you know then you sort of they they had their little standoff there then you saw that it was going to end badly basically at that point but I thought it was kind of interesting that before he knew Paul Walker was even there when all he saw was the baby I was I would have been interested to see what his reaction was going to be you know was would he have taken the baby to try to save it? Would he have left the baby? Would he have harmed the baby? I was really curious to see where his character would have gone with that. Only we didn't really get that. And then it sort of ended ended kind of abruptly, which I loved. I, I did really love that scene. Um, I thought that was really the best way to do that. And it was really powerful. Um, I'm trying to be careful not to spoil too much for, for people out there who want to watch it. Um, because I do think you should. I think you should. It's, um, 
give this a watch. It's it's interesting. It's um, there are a lot of things that are going to make you go, uh, would that really happen or what? I, you know, I don't know. I, for the most part, I think it was pretty believable. I mean, the number one question would probably be, how would this guy be stuck in this hospital with no one else? But, you know, the doctor left. The doctor was supposed right. to come back, but the levees broke. The doctor couldn't get there. I mean, that is completely plausible. Right. Um, a nurse left to go to try to get help. She did come back, but didn't do much good. Um, that's completely plausible, considering what was going on at the time. And we all know yeah. um, how the looters were out and how dangerous it was. And not even just for people out and about, but for people that were supposedly safe inside the dome. Mm-hmm. You know, for people who had been rescued, it was not that much safer for them. So we know that during this whole situation, it was a very dangerous, sketchy time. And you didn't really know who you could trust, who was going to be helpful, or who was going to try to take advantage of you. So all of that stuff is very believable and very realistic. And it's kind of horrible. Um, mm-hmm. I was talking to Brian after this, um, and he didn't really – he didn't watch – it really he was kind of in and out and he was doing other things but i was like you know when 911 happened what we got there was for the most part the best parts of humanity came together each other and you had people helping each other everyone was everyone was affected by it emotionally whether you were close by or not you were invested in that situation and if you were close by then you were either knew someone who was a, who had gotten killed or you got killed or you were helping people who knew people who were missing. I mean, it was just, it was a, it was a really horrible, difficult time for us as a country. But at the same time, it brought out some of the best parts of humanity within, within our countrymen, I think. And then you have the situation with Katrina where it was just horror after horror after horror and there were of course some good stories that came out of that but really the what you heard about the most were the horror stories mm-hmm. and it just it just blows my mind how you can have two equally destructive horrible events take place and have such completely different reactions yeah you know and i i think maybe maybe because you know, I guess there's there's two things at, at play with 9/11, right? One was that it was an attack of some sort, and so there's a sense of like, that's true. You know, nationally, there's that national pride of like, hey, you know, you can't attack us. You know, kind of the same as with Pearl Harbor. You know, it was that 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 happened. You know, um, you know, back then it was the same idea. Like, hey, somebody attacked us. You know, we need to get them back. Um, you know, you can't do that with a hurricane, right? The hurricane's already gone. That's true. You know, you can't do anything. But then I think the other problem with it is that. You know, the hurricane takes place over a wide area. Um, you know, it affected, those levees affected such a huge area. Um, whereas, you know, the, the, the World Trade Center was in one central part, you know, one, one centralized location. And so they knew where everybody needed, you know, where you needed to go to find people. And you needed to, you know, uh, whereas everybody was so far out. And so that's where I think you really, you know, the lawlessness was because there was so much remoteness about it. People were just that's stranded. True. Um, but you know there were so many other things about it too. I mean, I mean, we're we're, we're learning now that there were things about 9/11 too that were mishandled. We're learning that the people that were down there that we you know remember how we we, we were we were so um, we applauded so much the workers who went down there um, to to clean things up. 
Um, and now we're finding out that, well, they were subjected to a lot of, of, of toxins down there that they weren't told mm-hmm. about. You know, so, so we're, we're kind of starting to get, I think, I think kind of like once the, the rah-rah part of it went away, you know, the sobering reality of it, I think, is kind of sitting of, of some of the things that weren't good. But I think there's that little bit of a difference there. Um, but I, I do think the fact that, um, you know, it was a natural disaster, I think on some levels, I don't want to say it created a sense of apathy among Americans. Um, but, you know, I think as Americans, we're always hearing about natural disasters all over the country, you know, tornadoes hitting, things like mm-hmm. that. And we think, oh, that's horrible. Or, yes, we got to send some relief. Um, and I think it took a, a while for parts of the country to realize. And I think some people in, in the United States don't even still don't quite know how bad Katrina was. They may have, you know, either tuned out. I mean, obviously, George W. Bush didn't know. I mean, we know he was kind of clueless anyway, but even he didn't really know, you know, when he's doing the whole brownie, you're doing a great job here thing. I mean, even he didn't quite get it. But I think there are people in the country that still, you know, whereas 9-11, we know. We see the planes. We see it. Um, but you know, Kat- yeah, I think it's hard with Katrina to distinguish it from you know other natural disasters until you get in and start seeing some documentaries on it, and you start to really look at what happened. I think the same thing is true of Sandy too. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sandy did uh, tore a huge destructive path, um, completely wiping out the whole of the Jersey Shore. Yeah, I mean, it's just and. And so much damage was done to personal and and to personal and public property in and around New York and all of that. I don't think people realize exactly how bad it was. Yeah. Um, even if you're told, like even if you hear the numbers, it's difficult to it's it's difficult to imagine exactly all the different individuals that it affected. And you know what's interesting? This is going to sound so dumb, but it's one of the things that drove home to me exactly how bad Sandy was, was, this is so stupid, I'm going to admit it though, was watching People's Court because a lot of, a lot of damage ended up on that show and it was just for the longest time after that hurricane, people were coming in suing for various things, Um, like, you know, his boat wasn't lashed properly, so, Mm -hmm. you know, it crushed my car if he had lashed his boat properly then my car would be okay so i'm suing him for it that kind of thing mm-hmm. um but it was just case after case after case after case or it would be you know this happened when we had no power or you know because of sandy we didn't have the, i mean and it yeah. was just they were just pouring in and i was realizing this is just a fraction of the people that it affected and these are just the ones who were you know going to litigation over things there are millions of other people who were affected and and you know you never hear about so and that seems kind of like a stupid little thing but it was just one example when i kept hearing it it's like oh because of sandy oh because of sandy oh because of sandy i'm like wow and that really i really don't feel like that hurricane got nearly the attention that that say katrina did and i think katrina was worse but it we all i think we all knew a little bit more about that one than we did about Sandy. And maybe it was, I mean, there was a lot of things going on natural disaster-wise at that time, not just here, but all over the globe. And after a while, I think you're right, people just start to, it's like, oh, it's another one. Oh, it's another tsunami. Oh, it's another earthquake. Oh, it's another, you know, and they kind of run together after a while. If you're not directly affected, then it may not seem all that real or all that bad. Well, yeah, and that, that makes sense. no, that's definitely true. And I think for Sandy, for example, like I, I, you know, 
where I lived um, in Maine at the time, I, before I was down here, um, we were like glanced by it. You know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. a little bit of it touched us. It wasn't anywhere near what it was in New Jersey. But when I came down here to live in Philadelphia, of course, you know, all of the people here in Philadelphia in this area, um, they, uh, the Delaware Valley region, they go to the shore. Uh, you know, that's a, you know, talk about going down ashore, you know, Dan, get some hoagies and get Anna ashore for the weekend. Um, and so that's, that's the big thing to do. Um, so, so you do see the commercials here quite a bit, you know, uh, Chris Christie, um, you know, other people talk advertising, you know, um, we, we still need uh, support or, you know, they, 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 they have a, another uh, one ad campaign right now telling people who do work on their homes to make sure that they're using the proper equipment or they're, they're safe when they're, they're trying to save them because that's the big thing is that, you know, a lot of people had, you know, summer homes down there that they just went down and found them completely destroyed. And so they're, you know, sort of rebuilding them as they go because they're not, they're not their real home, right? It's their second home. Um, so, you know, it's not as much of an impetus to do it, but then of course that stuff sits for a long time. And, uh, and so it's more dangerous. So that's even part of it that I didn't even think about. I mean, it's been three years now, um, but there are people that are still, you know, rebuilding and fixing things after, you know, this, all this time after. Oh yeah. And that's another thing that, um, I started hearing about was, were the properties that hadn't been dealt with so quickly, because like you said, they weren't second, they were second homes or maybe rental properties, even that people just either didn't have the time or the money or just weren't that much in a rush to deal with because it wasn't their primary home. Mm -hmm. Mold has, you know, has, taken up and yeah. and it's just the damage just as it sits the damage just get worse gets worse and worse and worse and it's not just like the water sweeps in and the water goes away and then you just have to wait for stuff to dry out and everything will be fine um, I think that's another thing is people don't necessarily realize is that there's a lot that goes that goes along with it it's not just a matter of something getting flooded and ruined from the water damage it's it's poisonous. Yes. You know, I mean, it's it can be deadly just to be in the water. And uh, they even, one of the clips during the movie today, you heard her, you know, warning people, you know, don't try to go, don't try to go anywhere. If you're in a safe place, stay in a safe place. Don't wade through the water. Right. You know, and then, of course, that's the first thing you see whenever you see people on the news during a situation <laughs> like this is you see people wading through the water trying to get places. Yeah. And it doesn't really... You know, they think, oh, swollen river. I swim in the river. I swim in the lake. Why can't I just wade through this water? And it's there's so many other things that yes. that go along with it. Plus, they were talking about, you know, poisonous snakes and all these other things. And it's just like, God, I mean, it just had become a stew of death, yeah. basically. And it's just I, – I think that, like I said, if you're not in it, if you don't personally experience it or know someone who has – then it may not hit home exactly all the bad things that are involved here. And it's it's not, like I said, just a matter of water coming in and ruining some stuff and then going away. It, yeah. it, it leaves behind it so much more destruction, so much more dangerous things because the, you know, the, the water sweeping in is just the first of it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you've got all the other much more dangerous things to deal with. One of those things being your fellow which is beings right which is you know i really like that aspect of the film is that uh you know where it, you 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 on the one hand you want there to be people because it might mean you're going to be safe but on the other hand you don't know if these people are safe and and what's what's interesting about paul walkers as we're kind of wrapping up here um 
I, I, we are given the news reports, but Paul Walker is not getting these news reports. He has no idea what's going on out there. Right, right. Yeah, and so that was another interesting element of the film, too, is that, uh, you know, he doesn't really know until, you know, that first looter comes in there to even be worried about looters. Yeah, I mean, he, he hears another human being. He thinks rescue. He thinks yeah. safety. He thinks help. And it doesn't strike him until well into the conversation, really, that this is someone that is going to be a threat to him, that this is someone that could possibly end up killing him and his child. So he, yeah. um, which is just a sad thing because we know, I mean, we, we knew it immediately. Like, yes. I never trusted that guy from the no, first moment we saw him. No. And I'm like, no, don't trust him. Don't trust him. He's a bad guy. And I just wanted to slap him across the face because yes. I knew he was evil. And then while he's taking his food, what little food he has. Right. You know, he's trying to take his food. I just was so angry. Yeah. And um, it was at that point that finally Paul Walker was like, hey, who are you with? You know, <laughs> like, yes. wait a minute. I thought you were a good guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he had no idea that um, at that point at that particular point people were what you needed to be concerned about mm -hmm. which really in any in any like apocalyptic situation that's the thing that terrifies me the most really is um like if we were to have a like a zombie menace or some kind of viral outbreak or you know in anything that could lead to the end of the world to me the most frightening thing are other people I think especially in the United States, unfortunately, because we have we have this idea. I mean, you know, we all stay all locked up in our little houses with our guns and whatnot. That, uh, yeah, the moment you you uh, you know, the law is what actually keeps us from hurting each other, not uh, not guns or you know or, or anything not like humanity. that. Not humanity. No, <laughs> no, America, I think, would be the scariest place to endure a zombie apocalypse, which is kind of evidenced by um by uh uh. The Walking Dead. Uh, you get a good sense of what a zombie apocalypse would be like in the United oh. States. It's not a fun time. You got to find your best sheriff and stick by him the whole time and hope he he pans out to be a nice guy. Because uh, you know, if you get the bad guy sheriff, you're in trouble. You're. Or did you ever see The Road? No, I've never seen that one. I remember that ah, one. Yeah, I, I meant to see that. Depressing, but yeah. the, it's really it's just people. That's what you have to be people. worried about and. Yeah, it's. I, I really do think that this country in particular would be really frightening, <laughs> because everyone is everyone is really concerned about themselves and their own. Mm -hmm. And in a situation like that, it makes sense, but not to the point where you're harming other people. Right. But it always makes me think of that episode of The Twilight Zone from years back, where the one guy had the bomb shelter, and everyone always made fun of him because he built the bomb shelter, and they're like, oh, you're so paranoid, you've yeah. got the bomb shelter, but then when the plane crashed and they thought it was a bomb, right. everyone is trying to get into his bomb shelter to the point where they are destroying the shelter itself, mm -hmm. because if I if you won't save me, then you won't be saved either, right. you know, and that's just how I pick, just climbing over each other, you know, mm -hmm. and we see it whenever there's any kind of situation like a fire in a building people will trample each other to yes. get out and on one hand you think i get it's human nature it's survival but then uh, you're like i don't want to be that way yes. you know yeah so it's, a, it's you a, know yeah well that's maybe that's a good place to leave it here on this one because what's good about this film is that you get kind of a nice little nugget at the end with paul walker and his his daughter 
um, you know, his infant daughter. But I, I think overall, I think our streak continues here. Um, you know, for, for me, I would say for a lot of our listeners here, this movie is not the kind of film that we usually watch. I mean, it is very uh, intense. It's also very dramatic. Um, it's not your fun like popcorn movie that you probably want to get the buddies together for, get all your friends together and uh, yeah, and no. watch. It's not one of those. But I think if you're really kind of curious to see what Scott Walker can do in a different role, or Paul Walker, I did it again. Drink, everybody, drink. Um, but um, I think if you're curious to see what what Paul Walker can do in a different role, I think it's worth it. Especially with Netflix, you don't have anything to lose except for the hour and a half. Right. Yeah, I thought it was worth it. It was worth my time. Yeah, me too, definitely. So that's it, four in a row. We'll see what happens next week. But before we wrap up here, uh, let's look at what we've been uh, up to lately. Again, for me, it's a whole lot of nothing, though I was close to getting ready to type up that uh, that legendary uh, one. So hopefully pretty soon I will. I will say I have noticed um, the Facebook, we have gotten a good amount of, uh, of, of likes. We're, we're over the 500 mark, which is great. Um, I, I've got to say, Jamie, it's a big part with uh, with you doing the podcast with me. I think the two of us uh, has been great. But I, I it, it, ever since uh, we've been doing the podcast together, the number of likes has surged on the Facebook there. And I just called it the Facebook, but um, so I, I apologize for that <laughs> <laughs> on, on on Facebook. But uh, so I thank you for that, Jamie. I, it's been about a year since we've been doing the show together, so uh, uh, it's been great to you know to do this with you. Uh, I've had a lot of fun, and I, I think we're just going to keep you know I think it's just going to keep growing you know keep building on this from here it seems like you know we, we, you know with the the amount of people liking it um i i want to say to people who have sent messages i'll try to get them as soon as i can um i apologize but thank you all for for supporting the show and, and being on yeah i second that i really appreciate anytime we get any kind of feedback or um you know people let me know that they're out there they're listening i appreciate that that you want to spend time with us yeah definitely so now again, because I am not up to anything, Jamie. How about you? How how are you going with the other podcasts? I really haven't been doing a whole lot. We've got evil episodes uh, as usual that keeps trucking along, um, but uh, my other podcasts have been sort of on hiatus, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, not whether it's been intentional or not. It just I really haven't been all that podcast busy lately. So. Not a whole lot to report. Yeah, this is kind of hiatus time of year, isn't it? I guess so. I mean, you know, it's summer. Yeah. People got stuff to do. Yeah, people get all hiatusy and things like that. Hiatus. <laughs> hiatus. Is that what we want to say? Sure. Yeah. You can make that up. We can say hiatus. Hiatus. Well, hey, that's good. Well, so that you're, this is the first week in a while that you've been sort of in a similar boat to me. Um, now, of course, this is. Um, one week out of how many uh, since I haven't been doing the blog um, since February? So one week in five months that you and I have been in the same boat. <laughs> so, so not bad, right? <laughs> not bad. <laughs> All right. Well, I did get on to uh, Facebook, though. If you're listening to this one, if you're someone who, do, uh, you know, I, I did get on to Facebook and get – um, the other two films, uh, the two uh, pods we just recently did, into the archives um, over the weekend. So we're, we're a little bit, uh, we're up to date there. Hopefully I can get this one up tonight. But of course, if you're listening to it on the podcast, you've already downloaded it. Um, but, uh, but hopefully, uh, again, if you're listening to this one and, you're, um, and I did get it up on time, um, but next week or the week after, you, you don't quite find the episode right away, um, always check the RSS feed on my uh, Matt Movie Guy page. 
Um, that's a good way to get the most recent one. I try to get it up at least the night after. Um, I know with Brian last week, he wanted to listen to ours, and I didn't quite get it up on time because um, I actually left it running. <laughs> I was like over talking to Jed in the, uh, in the living room and realized I hadn't stopped the podcast. So we were on the air for like 10 minutes after. I had to trim it down. So if, I, if there's no trimming, then we're all set. So I'll, I'll try to get it up by the end of the night, and, and so you'll have them right away. All right. Well, thank you all again for listening. Thank you for the likes on Facebook and, and all the support. We all appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week to see if we can make it five in a row. Yeah, that would be astounding. <laughs> I know. We may never come close to this again, but I, I'm hoping we can keep the, the train running. So uh, we'll see you all next week and see if we can make it five. Yep. See you later. All right. Bye, everyone. That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.